TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to The Abnormal Psychologist, the show that shares everyday insights into getting the best out of your mind, body, and lifestyle. Now, please welcome your host, The Abnormal Psychologist herself, Carrie Thompson-Casey. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Abnormal Psychologist with me, your host, Carrie Thompson-Casey the show where we are giving you the how-to to get the best out of you. Today, we are talking to Tiffany Foster, who has an advanced diploma of traditional Chinese medicine, and she's been practicing for 15 years. Tiffany is passionate about people and passionate about people improving their health, mind and body. She loves to work with people and inspire them to connect with their bodies and the messages that their bodies are sending them. So welcome, Tiffany. Thank you. Hi, Carrie. So, Tiffany, tell us your story. How did you end up being in this world of traditional Chinese medicine? Where did you start? How did you arrive here? Well, I was actually very, very lucky. I grew up in a, in a home where complementary medicine was the norm. And my parents owned a health food shop slash organic shop in the 80s and 90s. So I was exposed to many different types of alternative medicine from a very young age. What drew me to Chinese medicine was that it had a deep, deep history of philosophy. It was had a 2,000-year-old history of understanding human nature and our environment. So I guess I was very, very much drawn to that as a very solid foundation. And from there... It has led me to many, many different aspects of living my life because it has given me a way of life. So I have travelled a lot with my Chinese medicine. I've worked in some wonderful, wonderful clinics, mainly in Melbourne. And so I feel very, very lucky to have come to this place. Great. That sounds awesome. So tell us a bit about traditional Chinese medicine, or maybe we should just keep calling it TCM from now on. So... I don't end up spitting all over the <laughs> So TCM, so what, give us a bit of a, an overview. What is TCM? So TCM is a wonderful way of exploring the nature of our whole being. It has a foundation of theories such as the yin-yang theory, the five element theory. And with those theories, it actually supports a practitioner in piecing together the tapestry of each individual that walks through the clinic door. And from there, what we can do is that we use acupuncture, which is using the meridian theory. Right. From there, often we use a palpation. So we actually touch a person's body and massage the back, the arms, the legs to also give us an understanding of where there are particular blockages in that person's body. Okay. Wow. Interesting. So if I decided to go along to a TCM practitioner, what can I expect? Because I know when someone comes to see me as a psychologist, I think sometimes people expect that from the media that there's going to be a couch and they're going to lie down and I'm going to ask them questions <laughs> about their childhood. Um, but often as a psychologist, the, the assessment process is, is largely questions and 
I might ask them about what's happening for them right now or what's changed for them. Mm-hmm. Are they behaving in a certain way that's new and troubling or thinking in a certain way that's new and troubling? And we might ask them a bit of their mental health history or family mental health history, where their family is, do they have children, um, any major health issues. So lots of questions, but, but not a lot of touching So <laughs> or no touching. But yeah. can you tell me, what if I was to walk in to see a TCM practitioner, what could I expect from that assessment process? Well, you'll always be asked to fill out a form that will often, it's interesting, every practitioner will have a different set of questions. And then, of course, we then want to know, you know, the main reason for your visit. And from that main reason, we then will ask you a whole other series of questions, like how is your sleeping? How is your appetite? What do you feel like your body temperature is like? Do you have a dry mouth? Do you get headaches? And all of that really gives us an incredible understanding of your whole body. And we also then take your pulse and look at your tongue. And those two are very, very important tools to help us confirm what is actually going on in your body on an energetic level. We look at your skin, we look at the vibrancy of your eyes, the condition of your hair, your nails. You know, we really look at the whole body. Wow, it's very, very whole, you know, a whole view. So you're looking at their tongue. What, do, what kind of things do you see on a tongue? What, what are you looking for? So we're looking at a coating. We're looking at the colour. We're looking at if there's any cracks. We're looking if it's swollen. And all of those actually give us a very, very amazing understanding of what's going on in a person's body. Okay, wow. Yeah. So what's, what's kind of the weirdest thing you've seen on a tongue? The weirdest thing? Hmm, that's a good question. I think probably when I've seen the tongue which has got, when it's got um, hundreds of tiny cracks around the whole tongue, which is an indication that that body has been very depleted of fluids and what we call yin in the body. And when there's no coating, and usually that t- if that is what a person is presenting with, it's very, very painful okay. for that person. Mm. So it's really, it's really, but Chinese medicine has this way of going, okay, well, we can support that person's body to rebalance. So this is this yin-yang balance. Can you tell us a bit more about that, the yin-yang mm. and TCM and its approach to health and well-being? Sure. So yin and yang is a is a major foundational theory in Chinese medicine. So very, very basic understanding. Yin is related to the feminine. It's very, it's cool in nature. It's a bit more contracted. It's a bit softer. While yang is more of the masculine energy. It's more external. It's about light. It's about the sun. It's about being outside. It's much, much more... You know, you know when something's yang. It's for ex- for example, if someone is angry, they will their voice gets louder. They get red in the face. All of those signs are very, very much yang is rising up into somebody's head, and there's kind of sometimes no control of what comes out of a person's mouth. That is very, very often like explosive. Explosive, yeah. exactly. Okay. That is often yang related. 
if someone is feeling really cold and quiet and you know very a soft voice that is more of a yin nature okay so i know uh, as a psychologist sometimes we're trying to come up with creative new ways for people to synthesize old ideas or old ways of thinking Mm. and create new ways of thinking or behaving so how does that apply in this yin and yang sort of is it like an imbalance like is there some kind of corrective process that has to happen from that tcm view yeah it yeah absolutely so there is definitely a you know we want to create more of a balance back into the body our bodies are constantly wanting to find their own equilibrium and I guess when they either come to a psychologist or to a Chinese medicine practitioner, there's different ways of being able to access that equilibrium within somebody's body. So, for example, the heart in Chinese medicine is very, very key to also nourishing our emotional well-being. And so that organ is very key in making sure that that our mental and emotional well-being is sound and if the heart energy is constricted on any levels then it can affect our emotional well-being okay wow that's really interesting so again my role as a psychologist is to facilitate that creative process that collaboration with my client on ways that they can move forward so if someone presents to you with that heart or yin yang out of balance Mm -hmm. what are the typical types of treatments that you might go I know you know before the podcast we were chatting a little bit about acupuncture and Mm -hmm. and how that works and how I'm a bit of a scaredy cat when it comes to acupuncture yeah so can you tell the listener what they might expect from if a TCA practitioner visit them they do the assessment some imbalances are revealed and you might say well I strongly recommend acupuncture so what kind of conditions would warrant acupuncture Mm -hmm. and what could that person expect yeah okay so for example if someone has insomnia and is you know they've got too much thinking going on and they're feeling very very worried a lot you know or there's stress going on in their life which is creating the insomnia Acupuncture will really, really help clear what we call fire in the body, which is inflammation, to then settle the mind. So what we'll do is we'll ask someone to lie down, generally on their back, and we will put points in, very specific points, to support that and to support that imbalance With insomnia, the heart and the liver are often very, very closely related in creating that imbalance. And so, yeah, and we leave the needles in for roughly half an hour to 45 minutes. And we then go in and we will gently stimulate the needles. People will, we will ask someone how they are feeling and the sensations that can arise when they have acupuncture. There's vast number of different sensations that someone can get from having acupuncture what do you mean like an uncomfortable sensation or a pain or is it more like a a sort of vibrational thing or what what people often associate acupuncture and they the main question they ask is it painful i think our understanding of pain is a little bit not quite so true when it gets to acupuncture yes there is sensation it can feel sometimes it feels like an electric shock it 
like a tiny electric shock. <laughs> I'll just uh, clarify that. Yeah. It's just like a little a zing that can like happen. When you're on the carpet, like when you're yeah. on a trampoline. Exactly. And it's just like, zing. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, it can feel numb, just a very, very gentle numb sensation. It can feel, there can be heat around the point. It can sometimes feel a little bit itchy. And all of those things also tell us something about okay. what's going on in the body. Often some people also feel the sensation travelling up the meridian and that's always a really, really great thing for some for a client to experience because you know they get they get to feel and experience their bodies in a different in a different way that's not about being frightening for them either. So they start to get curious about their body and their experiences. Again, really similar to as a psychologist is what we're trying to stimulate is that curiosity about their perceptions of themselves and their world and their experience. Of Absolutely. So you mentioned meridians earlier as well. Can you, I don't understand it. Can you tell me a bit more about meridians mm-hmm. and what they are in the body? Sure. So the meridians are like an external map on the body, which then relate directly to the internal organs in our body. So that's why we use palpation as well. You mean touching? Touching. Yeah. On certain meridians that can actually give us an indication if there is blockage in the meridian or blockage in the relationship between the internal organs of the body. So it really gives us a very, very beautiful, I guess, understanding of an, ex- of an external environment which relates directly to that internal environment. So instead of there being it just all being internal, we have this map that creates this way of accessing someone's body, both on a physical level and on an emotional level. So you were talking about anger before. Can you give us an example of what you might notice about it? I'm not sure if this is the right way to ask this question. Mm-hmm. So what would I notice as a TCM practitioner about someone who is angry, as you mentioned before? What, what are their meridians saying? Like, or, or is that yep. what happens? Or yeah, yeah, it- absolutely. So, for example, I would use, I would palpate the, the liver meridian, which actually starts on the big toe, and there's a point on the top part of the foot, which is liver three, and... Generally, people who have, you know, are angry, that point will be exceedingly tender. Okay, wow. And so it's really, so that point will be, you know, we can massage it and we will also put an acupuncture pin in there as well to help disperse the energy. So you said before that often this is what feeds that assessment process so things get added in over time. So you do the questions and then you look at look at the overall appearance of the body. Yeah. So then when you start to do the touching or the, the needling, and it will either confirm or deny that that aspect of that meridian. Well, that's really interesting. Yeah. It's almost like a cheat sheet that like you have a theory. Uh, exactly. Yeah, you a theory. <laughs> now, I think this person might be a little bit angry. Yeah. And then you poke them in their angry spot and they go, ow, and you're like, okay, that's what I was thinking. That's exactly right. Wow. So that's really interesting. And so it gives them a really interesting connection to their body. Yeah, so that that like their anger sits there or is that I mean like you hear people being very spleeny or something. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And all of that. And I but and it's really then just going I think it it allows a big sigh... To me, it gives people a big sigh of relief. Okay. Of just going... Instead of it... You know, things don't have to feel so trapped in the body when there is an understanding that if something can flow through their body, 
There's an exit. There is an exit. Right, right. And so I think that's one of the beautiful things about acupuncture is that it can create a, create an exit and a much more free-flowing energy around their body. Right. Wow. So our angry person then that we've been mm-hmm. talking about, so you, you do the assessment, you have a hunch that it's anger. Yeah. You touch those anger meridians. Yeah. There's a sensitivity and that helps you confirm mm-hmm. that there's a bit of anger going on there. Yeah. Do you then sort of say, so it sounds like you might say to them, you know, I, I'm getting a bit of a feeling that you're angry. So yeah. I'm really curious as a psychologist, what then happens next? Do you sort of say, do, do they usually know that anger is an issue? Do they, or, or do you sort of say, I'm noticing it? What happens there? Well, generally, I mean, I always ask how somebody is feeling. And so sometimes it's not a surprise. Sometimes, no, sometimes it's really not a surprise. And because stress is such a big factor in today's world, there is, to me, there will always, you know, there can always be a quality of anger associated with that stress. Yeah. And so... Or even a resentment. Is that sort of similar? Yeah, similar. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Like, and when I say resentment, I mean, like, people resent having to be under attack from stresses all the time. Absolutely. And that creates this kind of, this build-up and build-up and build-up of sensation and feeling in their body that is very constricting, and it affects all different parts of their body. And most people, I find, are very willing to talk, you know, and I think communication... Physical sensation is a really, really great way of getting people to connect with themselves and with other people. And so that's what they might expect. So yeah. post-assessment, and they've had some palpations that are touching, and they've had some needles, they've had a conversation with you. Yep. What are the kind of things that you then send them away with? What happens at the end of, say, that initial assessment or first couple mm-hmm. of sessions with you as a TCM practitioner, what what kind of things do you then send them, messages do you send that person away with? Well, I will always talk to them about their diet and exercise and herbal medicine if it's appropriate. So tell me a bit more about diet. What's your philosophy on food and diet then? So Chinese medicine has, once again, its own theory of food energetics and that is really about looking at the person as an individual so in terms of for example the angry person may also seeing as we're talking about the angry person yeah. <laughs> we're just our case study <laughs> yeah. will possibly have may or may you know their tongue may or may not have a coating um, they may or may not have teeth marks which also is indicating that there's a bit of stress involved in their digestive system Generally speaking, I will then say very, very important to eat just very nourishing foods, generally warm cooked foods, so it is easily digestible. Stay away from spicy food because spicy equals heat, which when someone has got that anger going on, that's also creating all of this internal heat. So we want to kind of just really soften everything. So you're looking at foods that want to soften that person as well. Lovely, yeah. So soups. Soothing. Soothing foods. Yeah. Whole foods. Try, you know, staying away from icy cold foods. Yeah. Um, sugar, alcohol and spicy and deep fried. Yeah. And that in itself will support that person's digestive system, which will then support, again, the energy flow in their body. 
What about movement? You mentioned exercise. Exercise is fundamental because what we're doing is we're wanting someone to start breathing. And if we can get that person to start breathing, that will also... You mean breathing more than usual? Yeah, breathing more than usual. And actually, (laughs) (laughs) most people who are angry or stressed, their breathing becomes very shallow. Yeah. And that's... That's an issue. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and again, I'm not going to argue with that. As a teaching people how to breathe is a really hard sell when you sort of say, I think we need to talk about breathing. Yeah. Really? I'm already doing that, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) And that's why exercise increases people's breathing because they have to breathe a little bit more vigorously. Yeah, wow, really interesting. And so the third thing that you said before, you were talking about food and exercise oh, and herbs herbs yes of course chinese yeah herbs. chinese Tell herbs so that's herbs. you know a whole other realm which you know there's over 400 different types of herbs and there's hundreds and hundreds of different types of formulas like combinations combinations of, yeah. of herbs yeah. and so for example the we'll go back to our case study the the angry person there are some very very beautiful herbal combinations which allow the free flow of energy around the body to be facilitated it can take out any of the that internal stagnation inflammation that has been created through that emotional state that that person has been in so it's so after the acupuncture after the conversation generally someone will feel quite calm and they will actually all very very tired almost like a digestive process it's like absolutely the, like the anger arises and it needs to be digested and supported wow interesting exactly and then the herbs kind of give you a much you know they work more long term so it's just a very supportive aspect of the treatment and then if someone can take the herbs it's they're doing self-care every day so just the act of going to the medicine cabinet or wherever they're stored and and taking the tablet they kind of be mindful of it for a moment Absolutely. i need to take care of myself and i'm doing this to managing to manage my anger and exactly and so it brings it to their attention rather than that blocking and which is what you know i think again as a psychologist those things those ideas we hold on to rigidly become blocks i must be this or i cannot be that or i'm not enough or absolutely those those rigid ideas are sometimes what bring us most unstuck so it sounds like as you said at the very beginning it's about Mm. this flow and this energy so something you mentioned before i think you mentioned a couple of times that i'm curious about as well is you said the energetics of food can Mm -hmm. you give me a bit more of a info on what that energetics of food means yeah sure so we look at the seasons so there's winter spring autumn and summer and then there's actually also indian summer and you're looking at foods that are grown season and i think one of the very beautiful aspects of food energetics is that there the food that is available say for example in the summer is very cooling and very moistening. So, for example, watermelon. Yes. The nature of watermelon is it's so hydrating and it's very, very cooling. Yes, of course, yeah. Yeah. Then you look at, and that, that's grown in summer. Pears are grown in autumn. Very, very good for autumn dry, or, you know, in Chinese medicine we have, if someone has a cold or a cough, 
that is in the autumn, it's often because the there's been some residual heat left over from the summer that's gotten trapped in the body. Pears are a wonderful way of releasing that internal dryness and they're very cooling and moistening but on a completely different level. Wow, interesting. Yeah. So it's about eating seasonally. It, it is. It's absolutely about eating seasonally and then adding little bits of extra on top of that. Okay, wow, yeah. interesting. So... 15 years of practice, I guess you've seen a lot of different presentations and a lot of different people. Can you give me a bit of an idea of what you've learned about people through your practice of traditional Chinese medicine? Yes, I can. <laughs> I know, it's a bit of a, a, bit of a question and I, I ask most of my guests that question, mostly because that's what this whole show is about and um, I think this will end up being about episode three and the journey we're taking our listeners on is to learn more about themselves yeah and if we can get experts in that like yourself that can tell us about not only what you do and what we can expect but what what do you understand about humans and their behavior and what have you learned about, about mm. people well that you know I've really that everybody is unique not one person is the same and listening and really taking care of that individual person and asking them to really tap into a part of themselves when they come in to have a treatment and to facilitate that opens up this whole incredible process for them and that most people are actually really willing to really uncover what's going on in their life to understand it yes i love that and, and people who listen to the podcast will know that one of my mantras is about to know thyself and yeah self-knowledge is is so powerful to know who you are not just in a, you know, who am I in a self-actualized way, yeah. but knowing yourself, what happens when I'm stressed? Exactly. What do I know about myself when I'm stressed? Yeah. How do I read that? And further from that, if I am stressed, if me personally, when I'm stressed, what do I need to do to balance that out and manage it? So exactly. That's so that's something that you've learned about people is yeah. their uniqueness and, and people's actual willingness to, to go there. So yeah. That's what you're saying. And it's exciting and it's gentle and... You know, and it doesn't have to be radical. You know, it can be, you know... A really gentle process. Very gentle, and it doesn't have to be big. It can just be very... It's incremental, and everybody has to go at their own pace. Yes, great. And we have to respect that, deeply respect everybody's process. Absolutely. And not to take it personally. And I think that was one of the... That is probably one of the biggest things. I think when I was younger, I would take it on very, very personally. My, you know, I have to help this person. Yeah. You know, it was be like... Be everything to everybody. The biggest mistake we all make is trying to be all things to all re- people. Really? And then suddenly, I, you know, through and my so own... this is what you learned about yourself then, So. Oh, well, yeah. my next question. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is what have you learned about yourself through well, yeah. 15 years of practice? Absolutely. You know, that the work has to come from myself. You know, that I've had to do the work. 
So, you know. Yeah, so the client that comes in, they have to do their own work. Exactly. And that for you as the uh, treatment provider, you can only do your own work. Mm. And then you know, what they then do is, is ultimately... Um, it's their responsibility. Yeah. And again, that's really tricky um, as a psychologist that people come in and I think sometimes it's really important to manage expectations about what's going to happen at the end of that first session or the sixth session or the twelfth session um, and understanding that some of the most powerful aspects of being a therapist is knowing uh, or hearing someone's story when they come back whatever session that might be at whatever pace they went and they said you know what I tried this out I tried this experiment on, mm. on behaving in this way this old way that I knew used to make me feel good and I, I stopped doing it like a habit like a healthy hobby and I did that on the weekend. I, I painted a picture or I baked some scones and mm. now I, I feel really empowered and I feel a bit like myself again. So I love that when, when people start to say, yes, this is something I can do for myself. And that's so powerful is because then they get the efficacy. They, it, I did this. It was me. Yep. It wasn't Carrie or it wasn't yep. Tiffany that did this. They Absolutely. facilitated but I did the work. And that means they're more likely to be able to do the work down the track. And it also impacts on their family on everybody around them. And I think that's also just really a beautiful thing that can happen. That it affects change in other areas. Absolutely. Wonderful. That's yeah. awesome. So we're getting close to the end of this episode. So I just wanted to find out from you, what, what are three daily or weekly rituals or tips that you do to keep yourself grounded? Or like, what, what, do you do, what do you as a TCM practitioner do? Mm-hmm. I meditate. Okay, yeah. Any That's, particular style of meditation? Or? Yeah, yeah, so it's, a, it's got the Mahasi tradition. Right, I've which, heard of that. Which is a Burmese-based meditation practice. Wow, daily? Daily. Wow, how long for? It varies. Okay. Sometimes I only do 10 minutes. Right, okay. So if I feel achievable, 10 minutes? Totally, yeah, completely yeah, okay. achievable. On weekends I generally do more, and I also do yoga. So I do yoga probably three times a week. Impressive. Yeah. Yeah. And that's very important to me, yes. that, that quality. And the third one is that I really, to me, eating organic and biodynamic food is very, very important to me. Wonderful. That's yeah. awesome. I yeah. have got so much out of listening to you, Tiffany. I really had heard about TCM and was a bit curious about it, but you've really answered lots of my questions. Well, it was really valuable information. And I hope the listeners found today's information valuable as well. So don't forget to support the show by telling your friends or you can go to our Facebook page, Carrie Thompson Casey, that's Thompson without a P. And if you want to find out more information about TCM practitioners, where should people go? So there's probably two main areas that people can go to. There's the Australian Acupuncture and Chinese Medicine Association that they can look up online and also the Australian Natural Therapies Association and what you can do is you can just type in a postcode or the name of a town and it will bring up all the practitioners in the area that are available and then most practitioners also have a website that you can that you can look Access. access. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, wonderful. So don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes. And if you enjoyed the show, give us a five-star rating. You can also support us by going to the website, carriethompsoncasey.com. Well, thank you for joining me and see you on the next episode of The Abnormal Psychologist, where we share real people's stories and give you ideas so you can reach your potential. Take care. 
This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.